This guy right here. Let's pray for Tracy. Extend your hands. I want to pray for Lord, we thank you for Tracy. We thank you for the message that she's carrying. Lord, I pray the Holy Spirit would give this message today and just bless her while she, uh, while she, he uses her mouth to speak. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, baby. John and I just got back from a little time away. Got my glasses, yes. And um, had a great time at the beach, so that was fun. Um, but it's good to be back in the house of the Lord Whenever we go away, no matter where we go, even if we go away to, to go to other churches with other people, and it never fails. We miss our home so much, and we, we come back, and we go, oh, Holy Spirit, we've missed you. We miss our family. We miss the Lord, and, you know, God's everywhere. In fact, um, we went to the beach, as you can tell, um, I mean, I'm in, I get out in the sun. I'm not kidding you like 10 minutes and my melatonin goes. <laughs> it's like, oh, where's the 70 sunscreen? <laughs> anyway, so I had an opportunity. It was so sweet, you know, to wake up in the morning and you're there and you're walking along the beach. And y'all know how that is. You know, the sun's rising and it's just so beautiful and you're kind of all alone. And, and so I began to walk on the beach, and I was remembering this story. This doesn't have anything to do with my message, but I was remembering this story of a, of a, a friend of mine who wrote this children's book, and the book was about when she was walking on the beach, and she prayed to the Lord for um, that she and her son would find a conch shell. And, um, you know, I always thought, oh, that's so cute. <laughs> and the day before, John had said to me, hey, look, let's look for some shells. We're walking on the beach, and I said, Okay, I am not the shell kind of girl, you know. I mean, you, you know, if you don't have a beach house, it's like, what's the point? Because you put it in your luggage, and then you have shell powder when you get home, right? And so I'm just like, whatever. I'm not going to go around and look for a bunch of shells. So I get out of there on the beach by myself, and I see this really beautiful shell, and I think, okay, I already said I wasn't that kind of girl, but that's a really pretty shell. And so I pick it up, and I, and I thank the Lord. I was like, Lord, thank you for this shell, right? And you're just having this stupid conversation with the Lord about this stupid shell. And I was like, oh, it's so beautiful. And so I got this shell, and I thought, and I'm remembering that story about the conch shell. And I thought to myself, and I don't know how many of you have been to the beach on, in Florida, but uh, the, you know, 30A Emerald Coast, there's not conch shells on that beach, you know, I've been going there for what, babe, seven years now? No cog shells, none. And so I thought, I'm just going to pray that prayer, and I'm just going to ask the Lord, Lord, you know, this is a really beautiful shell that you, you brought me. I want to see a cog shell, which, by the way, that's not spelled with a K. It's spelled conch. Made that mistake. Thank you, Anne-Marie, for pointing that out. Um, so uh, I'm walking along. And all of a sudden, in front of me, the wave comes up, and, and here rolls this conch shell right in front of me. I mean, it's like in perfect mint condition, and I'm like, oh, it's a conch shell! I mean, I was freaking out, 5.30 a.m., and I'm like, whoa, you know, it's a conch shell! And I thought, get a grip, Tracy, you are not that girl! So I'm going along, and I keep walking. You know, I pick up the conch shell. Now I've got my little pretty shell and my conch shell. I walk along, and all of a sudden, the wave comes up. Boom. There's another conch shell. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. Two conch shells. Lord, thank you for the conch shell. So I pick it up.
up. And now I've got these two conch shells and I'm walking along. And, and the wave, there's another conch shell. Guys, so I walk and walk and walk and walk. And I've got five conch shells. And I'm walking going, this is incredible. And I'm like, well, I guess I'm that girl. So I asked the Lord, I said, you know, what is this? And he said, I can cause my sea to bring up the... This guy right here. Let's pray for Tracy. Extend your hands. I want to pray for Lord, we thank you for Tracy. We thank you for the message that she's carrying. Lord, I pray the Holy Spirit would give this message today and just bless her while she, uh, while she, he uses her mouth to speak. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, baby. John and I just got back from a little time away. Got my glasses, yes, and um, had a great time at the beach, so that was fun. Um, but it's good to be back in the house of the Lord. Whenever we go away, no matter where we go, even if we go away to, to go to other churches with other people, and it never fails. We miss our home so much, and we, we come back, and we go, oh. Holy Spirit, we've missed you. We miss our family. We miss the Lord. And, you know, God's everywhere. In fact, um, we went to the beach, as you can tell. Um, I mean, I'm in, I get out in the sun. I'm not kidding you, like 10 minutes, and my melatonin goes, <laughs> It's like, oh, where's the 70 sunscreen? <laughs> anyway, so I had an opportunity. It was so sweet, you know, to wake up in the morning, and you're there, and you're walking along the beach, and y'all know how that is. You know, the sun's rising, and it's just so beautiful, and you're kind of all alone. And, and so I began to walk on the beach, and I was remembering this story. This doesn't have anything to do with my message, but I was remembering this story of a, of a, a friend of mine who wrote this children's book, and the book was about when she was walking on the beach, and she prayed to the Lord for um, that she and her son would find a conch shell. And, um, you know, I always thought, oh, that's so cute. <laughs> and the day before, John had said to me, hey, look, let's look for some shells. We're walking on the beach. And I said, okay, I am not the shell kind of girl, you know. I mean, you, you know, if you don't have a beach house, it's like, what's the point? Because you put it in your luggage, and then you have shell powder when you get home, right? And so I'm just like, whatever. I'm not going to go around and look for a bunch of shells. So I get out of there on the beach by myself, and I see this really beautiful shell, and I think, okay, I already said I wasn't that kind of girl, but that's a really pretty shell. <laughs> and so I pick it up, and I, and I thank the Lord. I was like, Lord, thank you for this shell, right? And you're just having this stupid conversation with the Lord about this stupid shell. And I was like, oh, it's so beautiful. And so I got this shell, and I thought, and I'm remembering that story about the conch shell, and I thought to myself, and I don't know how many of you have been to the beach on in Florida, but uh, the you know 30A Emerald Coast, there's not conch shells on that beach. You know, I've been going there for what, babe, seven years now. No conch shells, none. And so I thought I'm just going to pray that prayer, and I'm just going to ask the Lord, Lord, you know, this is a really beautiful shell that you you brought me. I want to see a conch shell. Which, by the way, that's not spelled with a K. It's spelled conch. Made that mistake. Thank you, Anne-Marie, for pointing that out. Um, so uh, I'm walking along, and all of a sudden, in front of me, the wave comes up, and, and here rolls this conch shell right in front of me. I mean, it's like in perfect mint condition, and I'm like, oh, it's a conch shell. I mean, I was freaking out, 5.30 a.m., and I'm like, whoa, you know, it's a conch shell. And I thought, get a grip. 
Tracy. You are not that girl. So I'm going along, and I keep walking. You know, I pick up the conch shell. Now I've got my little pretty shell and my conch shell. I walk along, and all of a sudden, the wave comes up. Boom. There's another conch shell. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Two conch shells. Lord, thank you for the conch shells. So I pick it up, and now I've got these two conch shells, and I'm walking along. And, and the wave, there's another conch shell. Guys, so I walk and walk and walk and walk, and I've got five conch shells. And I'm walking going, this is incredible. And I'm like, well, I guess I'm that girl. Uh, so I asked the Lord, I said, you know, what is this? And he said, I can cause my sea to bring up the treasures of the deep just for you. And so I thought, that's amazing. And I, so I, so I was like, Lord, why five? And, and so he said, you know, my grace is sufficient for you. And I was like, that's amazing. Yes, it is. And so I turn around and I start to walk back. And, and as I'm walking back, there's another one. And again, guys, I'm telling you, there are no conch shells on this beach, you know? And I'm like, there's another one. So I'm like, six. Ooh, I don't know if I like that number. <laughs> and now I have six. What am I going to do with that? What does six mean? You know, it's the number of man, you know, in, in your own effort, that kind of thing. And I don't want, I was like, that's not good. So anyway, right before I got to the condo, number seven showed up, and he said, in the last season, my grace is sufficient for you, but you have entered into the season of my fullness. Get ready. And so he began to talk to me about who I was. And that's the beauty of Pentecost. Yes, I'm going to connect the shells and the Holy Spirit. Because the beauty of living this life with God is that we're never alone. You know, it's a like, party for two everywhere you go. You know, it's like, I'd like a reservation for two. It would be me and the Holy Spirit. Thank you very much. <clears throat> and, um, and so it was wonderful to hear him. He began to talk to me about how he made me. You know, and I've got a great mint in my mouth. Hold on. Listen, work with me here because that has actually flown out of my mouth into the crowd before when I get going. So you want me to chew this up and swallow it. All right, turn in your Bibles to Matthew 3. Am I loud? Am I loud? Okay. All right, Matthew 3. I want to, give you, I want to take you guys through some history, kind of a history lesson. I just got back from um, this year. I had the privilege of going to... Uh, Israel and walking all throughout Israel. And, and while we were there, it was interesting when you, when you visit all of the old places, you know, the torn down places, all of the um, archaeological digs, all the things that they've dug up, what, they, what we found over and over was in every place that we went, every community had this thing called a mikvah. <clears throat> and that's a place where uh, the community would go and they would dip themselves. And it was part of the cleansing process and part of the rituals, the Jewish rituals that they were commanded to do, which, which was daily cleansing, that they were to cleanse themselves. And so there were several reasons why they would cleanse themselves. You know, if you touch a dead body, if you have touch a leper, if you lead a goat away, you know, Whatever, there was, there was a list, you know. If you do any of the things, one through ten, you need to go dip in the mikvah, right? And so the priest did it, but everybody did it. And so the house of the wealthy had mikvahs, and they would go into the mikvah, 
and they would dip themselves, and it was a pool of water, and then they would come right back out. And, and there were also, they would also dip themselves in living water. So it wasn't just the mikvahs that were at the house, but there were also um, opportunities to cleanse themselves in, in rivers and streams. So it, within this, I'm trying to kind of set a picture for you because John the Baptist, when he comes on the scene, it's just like, you know, this is kind of strange. You know, he starts dipping people in water, but that was actually something that the, that the Jewish people were very familiar with, and so they understood the process of cleansing because John the Baptist, and it's believed that he came from this, um, when he was in the desert, he actually wasn't in the desert, you know, all alone, like, la da 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 I think I'll hang out here by myself for 10 years. But they believed that he was with um, a sect of, of Orthodox Jews that were called the Essenses. And these were the mystics who gave themselves to the word and prayer and fasting. In fact, they believe, uh, and they're pretty sure that these were, this was the group that wrote the Dead Sea Scrolls because they all lived in caves. And so as, as um, John the Baptist joined them, and they believed that he was with them for, uh, for anywhere from five to seven years, he dwelled with them, learned their ways, and it was, it was the ultra of the ultra because they believed that the Pharisees and the Sadducees that lived in the city um, were what Jesus said, whitewashed tombs. You know, on the inside, they were ravenous wolves, but on the outside, they pretended to be good and put a heavy burden on the people. And so just, that's just a little history um, to what John the Baptist was doing when he, when he was bringing about the baptism of water, okay? And so the people of the land, it says that everybody, that all the people in Jerusalem, Judah, and the surrounding areas went out to be baptized by John the Baptist. Now, that's a lot of people. Why would they do that? If the cleansing process was something that they were already doing. So in your Bibles, um, look what it says in, in uh, Matthew 3. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who was spoken by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord and make his path straight. Now, John himself was clothed in camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. Then Jerusalem, all Judea, and all of the region around the Jordan went out to see him, and they were baptized by him in the Jordan, confessing their sins. What? That's incredible. And it says this in verse 7, but, we, but when he saw the many Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Therefore, bear fruits worthy of repentance, and do not think to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I say to you that God is able to raise up children to Abraham from these stones, and even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree which does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. 
He says this, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he is coming after me is mightier. He that he who is coming after me is mightier than I whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And so he just pronounced that he is going to baptize them with the baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. They're like, wait a minute. We've been going to the mikvah for for 4,000 years for the cleansing of our external body. But now there is a man that has come upon who is a forerunner and is preparing the way for the baptism of fire by saying now be cleansed on the inside. And so the whole place begins to go running, saying, wait a minute, are you saying that I will be cleansed by confessing my sins and repentance, and this water will cleanse me? So the whole concept was new to them, even though the practice was old. Do you understand that? And so what he was doing is he was beginning to prepare the way by saying something spiritual is a is afoot and it's happening and this whole idea of baptism that is an internal type baptism is now in the land. Okay? Okay, amen. Amen and amen. No, we're not in the never mind. <laughs> All right. So John basically did this. He declared that he is John the Baptist. And then he also declared that Jesus is a Baptist. He was like, wait a minute. There's not just one baptism. There's two baptisms. Yeah. And guess who gets to be in the middle? You. It's like the cream and the Oreo cookie. That's who you are. You get one baptism, you get the other baptism, and bam. That's where the good stuff happens. Okay, or you could say like the jelly and the donut or whatever. But anyway, so here's the beauty is that what he was saying is, listen, all revival begins with this baptism. All all revival begins with this repentance. There cannot be revival without repentance. Do you know that every revival has started with uh, with repentance? That every revival that's ever happened, the Holy Spirit comes down, he hits a bunch of people, and the fear of the Lord strikes them, and they all fall to the ground crying. I can't wait. It's going to be glorious. Mm Mm-hmm. All right, turn in your Bibles to John chapter 3. Let's talk about the new birth. All right, John chapter 3, verse 1. So there was this guy, there was this man, this Pharisee named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. And Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So there it is again. He cannot see, he cannot have the eyes to see the kingdom of God. What was John the Baptist saying? Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. 
So Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water, the water of baptism and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born in the flesh is the flesh and that which is born in the spirit is the spirit. Do not marvel that I say to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the spirit. So what Jesus is saying, I'm not abolishing the baptism of John. But he's saying you actually have to be born of water and you have to be born of the spirit. There are two baptisms that have to happen. And so he's saying to us, I am going to add fire to that water. And in doing so, I'm going to create a new creation. I am going to create a new man. I am going to create fire ministers who are flames of fire. And that fire, when it hits the water, I'm telling you, it is game on. And I will, I will make you a kingdom of kings and priests. And there will be nothing that will stand against you. Mahalabakan. All right, so I want to tell you about the story of Elijah. Do you guys remember the story of Elijah, right? Now, this guy is so, I mean, he's so brave, right? He goes against, he, he, he talks to Ahab, and he says, how long will you falter between two opinions? I mean, he's basically talking to the king. And he's got this whole army of false prophets, all the prophets of Baal that are falsely prophesying, and they've all bowed down to this mean witch uh, whose name is Jezebel. And so she is dictating to them what they're going to say. And so there are all these false prophets. And, and Elijah comes, and he's like, all right, here's what we're going to do. We're going to have a showdown. I am going to show you down, okay, and, and, and this is how this is going to happen. Here's what I want you to do. And so he tells all of the prophets of Baal. They call all of, all of Israel out, and so they're all gathered around to see the showdown, right? And um, so he says, I want you to take um, an offering. I want you to take a, um, a bull, and I, I want you to, to um, prepare him for the sacrifice, Okay. Prepare him for the sacrifice. I want you to put him on the wood, and and I want you to call down fire on this sacrifice. And so all of these priests are like, okay, we take your challenge. We take your offer, and we're going to do that. So all of these, this whole, I mean, there are just all these hundreds of these guys, right? And they're all like, oh, God of Baal, God of Baal. And they cry, and they cry out, and they cry out. And it goes on for like four hours. And I love Elijah. He actually starts to kind of mock him. And he's like, hey, maybe he's out to dinner, your God. Or maybe he just can't hear you because he's not really listening right now. So he just really begins to mock them as they're sitting there. So they're like, okay, we can do better than this. And they start cutting themselves and they start bleeding. Now this goes on until like nightfall. And so Elijah's like, are you done? So he says, all right, here, I'm going to prepare my offering. I'm going to prepare my sacrifice. So he prepares the bull he puts it uh, on, on the wood and uh, digs a trench around it. And then he tells, he, he tells um, his servants, he said, now take water and pour it on all of that. And they're like, okay, you know, nothing burns when it's wet. Should we tell him this? All you're going to get is some maybe smoke, but I don't know. I don't think so. So anyway, he just commands them to do this. And then 
I love it. So then he just prays a very simple prayer. No need to cut yourself. 1 Kings 18, 38. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice. And the wood and the stones and the dust, it, it licked up all the water that was in it. And all the people fell on their faces. They fell on their faces and they said, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. And Elijah then took and executed all of the prophets of Baal. You see, this is a symbol of the two baptisms. He used the water, he brought the water, and then God added the fire. And once that fire hit the water, all of those false prophets and demons had to go. There are two baptisms. See, what happens is that the one baptism, which is the baptism of water, is for the remission of sins. It's for this beautiful place of cleansing, that internal cleansing. And then the, the baptism of fire is this supernatural thing that happens. And it doesn't come by might nor by power, but it only comes by the Holy Spirit. And guys, God is not after a bunch of religious zealots. He is after children in a family that look just like his son. So he explains the second baptism in Acts. Turn to Acts 18. Acts 18. Verse 24. Now a certain man, man named Apollos, born in Alexandria, an eloquent man and mighty in the scriptures, came to Ephesus. This man had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things of the Lord, though he only knew the baptism of John. So he began to speak boldly in the synagogue. When Achaia and Priscilla heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. Say this, the way of God more accurately. Okay, so he, he, he is familiar with the baptism of John. And, and you have um, this couple, both the man and the woman, who come up and say, let us teach you because even though what you're saying is correct, there's actually a, a more accurate correctness, okay? So in verse 27, and when he desired to cross to treasures of the deep just for you. And so I thought, that's amazing. And I, so I, so I was like, Lord, why five? And, and so he said, you know, my grace is sufficient for you. And I was like, that's amazing. Yes, it is. And so I turn around and I start to walk back. And, and as I'm walking back, there's another one. And again, guys, I'm telling you, there are no conch shells on this beach, you know. And I'm like, there's another one. So I'm like, six. Ooh, I don't know if I like that number. <laughs> and now I have six. What am I going to do with that? What does six mean? You know, it's the number of man, you know. In, in your own effort, that kind of thing. And I don't want, I was like, that's not good. 
So anyway, right before I got to the condo, number seven showed up, and he said, in the last season, my grace is sufficient for you, but you have entered into the season of my fullness. Get ready. And so he began to talk to me about who I was. And that's the beauty of Pentecost. Yes, I'm going to connect the shells and the Holy Spirit. Because the beauty of living this life with God is that we're never alone. You know, it's a party for two everywhere you go. You know, it's like, I'd like a reservation for two. It would be me and the Holy Spirit. Thank you very much. And, um, And so it was wonderful to hear him. He began to talk to me about how he made me. You know, and I've got a great mint in my mouth. Hold on. Listen, work with me here because that has actually flown out of my mouth into the crowd before when I get going. So you want me to chew this up and swallow it. All right, turn in your Bibles to Matthew 3. Am I loud? Am I loud? Okay. All right, Matthew 3. I want to, give you, I want to take you guys through some history, kind of a history lesson. I just got back from um, this year. I had the privilege of going to uh, Israel and walking all throughout Israel. And, and while we were there, it was interesting. When you, when you visit all of the old places, you know, the torn down places, all of the um, archaeological digs, all the things that they've dug up, what, they, what we found over and over was in every place that we went, every community had this thing called a mikvah. And that's a place where uh, the community would go and they would dip themselves. And it was part of the cleansing process and part of the rituals, the Jewish rituals that they were commanded to do, which was daily cleansing, that they were to cleanse themselves. And so there were several reasons why they would cleanse themselves. You know, if you touch a dead body, if you have touch a leper, if you lead a goat away, you know, Whatever, there was, there was a list, you know. If you do any of the things, one through ten, you need to go dip in the mikvah, right? And so the priest did it, but everybody did it. And so the house of the wealthy had mikvahs, and they would go into the mikvah, and they would dip themselves, and it was a pool of water. And then they would come right back out. And, and there were also, they would also dip themselves in living water. So it wasn't just the mikvahs that were at the house, but there were also... Um, opportunities to cleanse themselves in, in rivers and streams. So it, within this, I'm trying to kind of set a picture for you because John the Baptist, when he comes on the scene, it's just like, you know, this is kind of strange. You know, he starts dipping people in water, but that was actually something that the, that the Jewish people were very familiar with, and so they understood the process of cleansing because John the Baptist, and it's believed that he came from this... Um, when he was in the desert, he actually wasn't in the desert, you know, all alone, like, la da 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 I think I'll hang out here by myself for 10 years. But they believed that he was with um, a sect of, of Orthodox Jews that were called the Essenses. And these were the mystics who gave themselves to the word and prayer and fasting. In fact, they believe... Uh, and they're pretty sure that these were, this was the group that wrote the Dead Sea Scrolls because they all lived in caves. And so as, as um, John the Baptist joined them, and they believed that he was with them for, uh, for anywhere from five to seven years, he dwelled with them, learned their ways, and it was, it was the ultra of the ultra because they believed that the Pharisees and the Sadducees that lived in the city 
um, were what Jesus said, whitewashed tombs. You know, on the inside, they were ravenous wolves, but on the outside, they pretended to be good and put a heavy burden on the people. And so just that's just a little history um, to what John the Baptist was doing when he, when he was bringing about the baptism of water, okay? And so the people of the land, it says that everybody, that all the people in Jerusalem, Judah, and the surrounding areas went out to be baptized by John the Baptist. Now, that's a lot of people. Why would they do that if the cleansing process was something that they were already doing? So in your Bibles, um, look what it says in, in uh, Matthew 3. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who was spoken by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord and make his path straight. Now, John himself was clothed in camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. Then Jerusalem, all Judea, and all of the region around the Jordan went out to see him, and they were baptized by him in the Jordan, confessing their sins. What? That's incredible. And it says this in verse 7, but, we, but when he saw the many Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Therefore, bear fruits worthy of repentance, and do not think to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I say to you that God is able to raise up children to Abraham from these stones, and even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree which does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. He says this, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. But he is coming after me is mightier. He that he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And so he just pronounced that he is going to baptize them with the baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. They're like, wait a minute, we've been going to the mikvah. For, for, for 4,000 years for the cleansing of our external body. But now there is a man that has come upon who is a forerunner and is preparing the way for the baptism of fire by saying now be cleansed on the inside. And so the whole place begins to go running saying, wait a minute, are you saying that I will be cleansed by confessing my sins and repentance and this water will cleanse me? So the whole concept was new to them, even though the practice was old. Do you understand that? And so what he was doing is he was beginning to prepare the way by saying something spiritual is, a, is afoot and it's happening. And this whole idea of baptism that is an internal type baptism is now in the land. Okay? Okay. Amen. Amen and amen. No, we're not in the, never mind. <laughs> All right. So John basically did this. He declared that he is John the Baptist. And then he also declared that Jesus is a Baptist. He was like, wait a minute. 
There's not just one baptism. There's two baptisms. Yeah. And guess who gets to be in the middle? You. It's like the cream and the Oreo cookie. That's who you are. You get one baptism, you get the other baptism, and bam. That's where the good stuff happens. Okay, or you could say like the jelly and the donut or whatever. But anyway, so here's the beauty is that what he was saying is, listen, all revival begins with this baptism. All all revival begins with this repentance. There cannot be revival without repentance. Do you know that every revival has started with, uh, with repentance? That every revival that's ever happened, the Holy Spirit comes down, he hits a bunch of people, and the fear of the Lord strikes them, and they all fall to the ground crying. I can't wait. It's going to be glorious. Mm-hmm. All right, turn in your Bibles to John chapter 3. Let's talk about the new birth. All right, John chapter 3, verse 1. So there was this guy, there was this man, this Pharisee named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. And Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So there it is again. He cannot see, he cannot have the eyes to see the kingdom of God. What was John the Baptist saying? Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. So Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water, the water of baptism and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born in the flesh is the flesh and that which is born in the spirit is the spirit. Do not marvel that I say to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes And you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. So what Jesus is saying, I'm not abolishing the baptism of John. But he's saying you actually have to be born of water and you have to be born of the Spirit. There are two baptisms that have to happen. And so he's saying to us, I am going to add fire to that water, and in doing so, I'm going to create a new creation. I am going to create a new man. I am going to create fire ministers who are flames of fire, and that fire, when it hits the water, I'm telling you, it is game on, and I will, do, I will make you a kingdom of kings and priests, and there will be nothing that will stand against you. Mahalabakan. All right, so I want to tell you about the story of Elijah. Do you guys remember the story of Elijah, right? Now, this guy is so, I mean, he's so brave, right? He goes against, he, he, he talks to Ahab, and he says, how long will you falter between two opinions? I mean, he's basically talking to the king. And he's got this whole army of false prophets, all the prophets of Baal that are falsely prophesying, and they've all bowed down to this mean witch uh, whose name is Jezebel. And so she is dictating to them what they're going to say, and so there are all these false prophets. And, and Elijah comes, and he's like, all right, here's what we're going to do. We're going to have a showdown. 
I am going to show you down, okay? And, and, and this is how this is going to happen. Here's what I want you to do. And so he tells all of the prophets of Baal. They call all of, all of Israel out. And so they're all gathered around to see the showdown, right? And um, so he says, I want you to take um, an offering. I want you to take a, um, a bull, and I, I want you to, to um, prepare him for the sacrifice, okay? Prepare him for the sacrifice. I want you to put him on the wood, and, and I want you to call down fire on this sacrifice. And so all of these priests are like, okay, we take your challenge. We take your offer, and we're going to do that. So all of these, this whole, I mean, there are just all these hundreds of these guys, right? And they're all like, oh, God of Baal, God of Baal. And they cry, and they cry out, and they cry out. And it goes on for like four hours. And I love Elijah. He actually starts to kind of mock him. And he's like, hey, maybe he's out to dinner, your God, or maybe he just can't hear you because he's not really listening right now. So he just really begins to mock them as they're sitting there. So they're like, okay, we can do better than this. And they start cutting themselves and they start bleeding. Now this goes on until like nightfall. And so Elijah's like, are you done? So he says, all right, here, I'm going to prepare my offering. I'm going to prepare my sacrifice. So he prepares the bull he puts it uh, on, on the wood and uh, digs a trench around it. And then he tells, he, he tells um, his servants, he said, now take water and pour it on all of that. And they're like, okay, you know, nothing burns when it's wet. Should we tell him this? <laughs> all you're going to get is some maybe smoke, but I don't know. I don't think so. So anyway, he just commands them to do this. And then I love it. So then he just prays a very simple prayer. No need to cut yourself. First Kings 18, 38. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice. And the wood and the stones and the dust, it, it licked up all the water that was in it. And all the people fell on their faces. They fell on their faces and they said, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. And Elijah then took and executed all of the prophets of Baal. You see, this is a symbol of the two baptisms. He used the water, he brought the water, and then God added the fire. And once that fire hit the water, all of those false prophets and demons had to go. There are two baptisms. See, what happens is that the one baptism, which is the baptism of water, is for the remission of sins. It's for this beautiful place of cleansing, that internal cleansing. And then the, the baptism of fire is this supernatural thing that happens. And it doesn't come by might nor by power, but it only comes by the Holy Spirit. And guys, God is not after a bunch of religious zealots. He is after children in a family that look just like his son. So he explains the second baptism in Acts. Turn to Acts 18. Acts 18. Verse 24. 
Now a certain man, man named Apollos, born in Alexandria, an eloquent man and mighty in the scriptures, came to Ephesus. This man had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things of the Lord, though he only knew the baptism of John. So he began to speak boldly in the synagogue. When Achaia and Priscilla heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. Say this, the way of God more accurately. Okay, so he, he, he is familiar with the baptism of John. And, and you have um, this couple, both the man and the woman, who come up and say, let us teach you because even though what you're saying is correct, there's actually a, a more accurate correctness, okay? So in verse 27, and when he desired to cross to 